0: what's going on everybody welcome back to another episode of rolling credits Uh, you might notice that i am running the intro today i am your generous host today patrick Shear, and i am joined today by kirby and gums our fearless leader seth is out today so i'm gonna be filling in for a little bit but uh we're here uh to review episode eight of the last of us how you guys feeling today
1: good good Nice, good, I'm
2: ready, I'm ready to talk about it
0: Yeah, I'm excited for this one, I love this episode, I think it's going to be a good uh, good recap on this one Before we get into it, I do want to kind of shout out for those that are listening Please, if you want to, you come join our Discord, come have a chat, talk about the episodes Talk about any media that you're a big fan of that you think that we should talk about here on the podcast Ask some questions, we'll have some fun stuff going on there So if you go to our Instagram page at rolling underscore credits underscore podcast You'll see a link tree to our Discord page Where you can come join us and check out all the cool, fun stuff. So, with that being said, yeah, come hang out, you know. And just quick heads up, there will be spoilers in this review for Episode 8 of The Last of Us. So, if you have not yet watched the episode, please turn off this podcast, go watch the episode, and come back, see what we think, see what you think, and uh, let us know how it goes. So, let's get into it. So, this was kind of the first episode that kind of gave us a little bit more of what we've been asking for here on the podcast and it kind of really leaned a little bit more into the thrill and the suspense and the violence of it and i thought this was a great change of pace especially from the past couple episodes where we were really heavy into the story development and the emotional development of these characters so i want to just kind of get your take early because we've been talking about this for like three weeks now straight what was your kind of take on kind of the way they made this change in this episode uh what was your favorite part to it and where do you think they could have even gone further even so, Gums, I'll start off with you.
2: Yeah, uh, g- great uh, intro there. One thing I'll say is leave this podcast on. Just don't listen to it. Uh, we'll accept the viewing time. Uh, <laughs> good call. Good call I like no, that. No. Number two. <laughs> two now the business. Um, I actually I, I actually thoroughly enjoyed this uh, this episode. So I think this was like the right amount of violence, um, uh, scarcity. Like, like I mean, think about it. Look what they did in this episode. Um, and now, since you've got the spoiler alert out in three, two, one, I mean, they were eating their own people because there was no food. And this is the yeah. type of lifestyle I expected out of this episode. This is what I expected. And I think this is the type of drama we need when we talk drama. Um, and one thing I want to say is it kind of it kind of makes me think. Right. So did we even need that, that episode of, of her background? No. You know what I mean? Like it really didn't feel like now we need to do it at all. We just already knew she was down and ready and, and helpful for Joel and wanted to be there to support him. But, like, there was nothing from that episode that was, like, matched to this episode or flashback. And it was just like, mm, didn't need it. Um, So so what I liked about how they executed this change and, and where do I think they could have gone further, Um, I, like, I, I don't think they should have gone in any further and i don't think they should have pulled any back i really feel like this was a pristine solid episode like an eight eight on a range from eight to ten just depending on how much you love this series right so for me this was an episode that was a solid eight and a half like this was some of the finer moments um of of this uh, series so that's my opinion on it i'm really super excited to actually hear from you guys on, on what your answer to this question was and then you know be snarky about it. If yeah. I
0: don't agree. No, great, great take though. But I gotta say, I, I am curious now to see do they kind of wrap up like you said with the previous episode in the flashback. Do they call it out in episode nine at all? Because you're kind of right. It kind of does feel like now that that was pure filler. And in previous episodes, our filler kind of meant something. And this didn't really give us that a little bit more. Kirby, what kind of what were you thinking on that?
1: Uh, it's it's funny actually because when we were watching the episode. And they start talking about you know that scarcity and how there's no food and they're you know scavenging as much as possible. Gums, you were the first person that. Uh, <laughs> Fair enough. It's, it's like, oh, this is the episode for gums. This is what he's looking for. <laughs> but um yep. no, everything that that you said, um, I think is is right on the money. Um, I think that they did a phenomenal job with bringing the action back into the uh, the series and really um, engaging that part of the game again. Um, I was not around for the last podcast talking about like the, the background, like the flashback episode, which I fucking hated. Um, I fell asleep.
0: We knew you did. And we called it out. We were like, I know damn well Kirby doesn't like this. It was one of the first things we talked about.
1: (laughs) I was not a fan. Um, I, uh, I mean, if we had more episodes and that wasn't one of nine, it would have been fine. Like even great. i love love I to see em. the love to see the background don't, don't I, know, I, know back I know i know we're backpedaling i know i know we're backpedaling a little bit to last week but i gotta get it off my chest Fair uh, enough. <laughs> if Speak we had piece. more than nine episodes like that would have been great but we have very limited screen time for this whole series we've got a lot left to cover why the fuck are we wasting time on this who the fuck gives like who cares um anyway that's it Um. Uh, but no, this this current episode I think was was great. It got brutal in some points, uh, and it really highlighted you know what we expect to see in this this type of situation, this type of world. So yeah, no, I'm I'm with gums on this one. It was uh, it was a damn good episode.
0: Yeah, no, and I think to round it out, you guys really did hit the nail on the head. I liked gums' take of just like. This was, we didn't need to go much further or back. You know, I, th- I think the thing I really liked about this episode was that every interaction did feel tense, right? From, you know, Ellie taking out the deer and hunt and then running into uh into David and having to inject Joel with the penicillin. Even if you look back on it you think about it now, that almost seems somewhat insignificant, right? Even though it was a big part of the episode, but it was still tense and heavy kind of all the way through. So it, it definitely did its job in kind of bringing back that Feel of yeah, this is the apocalypse. This is this like savage group of people essentially out here. You saw the evolution of David done so well throughout. Um, obviously the only real change that you uh, that you really kind of mark, I think, from the game a little bit is when David and Ellie are sitting, uh, waiting with the deer, uh, to for them to come back with the medical supplies. You know, there are a couple Mm -hmm. infected. And stuff like that, and that's maybe the only thing you'd call out. But then again, you're like, does it, does it need to be there relative? Cause that's more of like a gamer interaction thing versus, you know, a TV storyline. You learned a lot more from them kind of in a standoff sitting around the fire than I think you did from them trying to fend mm-hmm. for themselves. So I, I, overall, overall, I think this was a, a great episode. I loved it. And it kind of brought a lot of people back into the, Yeah, this is how heavy this show can get. And I think we need to see more of that as we kind of see the, the series progress
1: yeah like yeah. i think having like any of the infected popping in um you know as in the game I, it would have broken the tension and that would have not really served the episode very well so i think they made the right choice in that one mm-hmm. i definitely yeah, that, agree
2: that's a good point too and you know you live in the cold to get away from the infected The infected can really only live in the heat if you think about it yep. plants yes. can really only thrive while it's hot right so mm-hmm. plants don't grow in the cold; they just hang out until the cold's over. So, in my opinion, that's like the best place you want to be. That's that makes sense not to see infected when it's that cold out, right? Yeah. And if you do see them, they would be so darn slow because you know they'd be in like a hibernation esque fashion. So I I really appreciate it. Like when you give me when you give me episodes without infected, this is how the episodes should stack, mm-hmm. right? We go right to the yeah humanity and then okay we need episodes with infected we can kind of go away from the humanity part right and and that dosage is is, would be nice so
0: And, and now i kind of want to dive right back into uh kind of the point that gums had talked about we were talking about the scarcity and everything like that let's talk about david's commune and let's talk about the cannibalism in particular and i wanted to throw this question out there because i saw it on a different podcast and i thought it was kind of an interesting take about you know the commune itself and David mentioning that only a few people know that they're eating other humans. And they kind of pose the question of does David might have only told it to a few people? But do you think there are a couple people in the commune that already kind of knew? My, the, the call that was made was when they go into the kitchen and they bring over the meat that is, in hindsight, clearly human, right? As they're making the stew before David even brings in the deer that they claim is the venison they're eating. Right. And so you kind of saw that art kind of, and everyone's still eating, kind of doing their thing. And, you know, how much how much of them do you think already knew they were eating people and were just OK with it? And what did you kind of think of how they made that, that transition into helping the viewer understand that they were eating other humans? Because I, I definitely kind of agreed with what they were saying on this podcast of even when David walks back in all happy with the deer, you can see it on everybody's faces. And even in that kitchen scene, they know that's a person. I think there's it's very clear. They know they're starving. It's the scarcity we've been all been talking about. They, it kind of goes into that fight or flight situation of man. You're kind of, it's that understandableness that you kind of get in some of these shows of you understand why they're eating people. They're in the middle of the freaking snow in the middle of nowhere with two weeks worth left of food. Yeah. It might kind of resort to that. So I, I think this was really well done and kind of how they kind of brought this to light. You know, obviously it, a lot of, you know, the game and if you do see them like, you know, chopping up humans and feeding them to people and stuff like that. But what did you guys think of how they did this? And I'll, I'll pass this over to you, Gums.
1: Uh, you are muted, sir. Sorry, sorry.
2: <laughs> there. So I was going to say that the the question was that e- even though David said only a few people knew they're eating humans, like how much of the commune already knew they were cannibals and just OK with it. And And I'll be quite frank with you. All of the adults. Like, yes, and that's exactly. That's my assumption is that every single one of the adults knew. Um, but, you know, you are you become very much so an, an animal and separate yourself back to that instinctual survival mode when you have to. So it's like I'm not sitting here with the holier-than-thou attitude of don't eat those people, that's crazy. I'm saying, well, they did what they had to do. I'm just glad they weren't murdering people straight out to do it. They were just kind of like taking their dead. And maybe they did kill a few people and put them on there, right? Um I so, so I think they I definitely think most of them or all of them knew. And that's why she asked, Where'd you get this meat from? Because she knew, right? Yeah. And so so everybody kind of knew they were starving. And um I I think that was a cool point in this story where I looked at that and said, Oh, they're eating people. These ain't (laughs) these people ain't what they seem. And and you know the first the first time I knew it is as soon as he started preaching I said here we go but I'm gonna save that for later because I got some I got some stuff <laughs> I'll, to talk about. Oh, it includes it includes priests and it includes math teachers. <laughs> I'm just saying these writers knew what they were doing. So I'll actually
0: kind of follow up with you because you brought up a good a good point there because it kind of I'll tell my point of it is that I was a little naive when they first brought the the venison over. Like, cause I thought, oh yeah, I mean, they went out to go hunt deer. Clearly, they they got a deer, and then like obviously in the cage you figured all out. And now like, looking back, I was like, oh my god, what the hell? Did you kind of figure it out, or like right off the rip when they brought over the venison for the stew?
2: Yeah, hundred percent. Because um because they said it in the scene before. They were just like, we're running, we're running super low. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is we only have a little bit left. And that dude's demeanor, you know, he's like, you still believe in me? Was just like, man, this crap's falling apart and and basically they were starving and then if you just bring up chopped up cube meat and somebody says hey what is this and the guy looks like he just bumped five cigarettes in the back yeah. and has dirty hands and walks in and just plops it on the tray i'm assuming that ain't what it is it's also <laughs> a lot of it's also
0: a lot of meat you're um, like where the fuck did this yeah. come from like
2: <laughs> yeah and, it, and i figured it was either human meat or they uh they poisoned the meat to kill a few people to lessen the population. Mm. So when nobody died and the dude was eating it, I was like, that's human. So yeah. that's just my that's from
0: <laughs> Kirby
2: <laughs> being an expert in cannibalism via TV. <laughs>
0: Kirby, what were you thinking?
1: Um I mean, I knew right away. I knew like who these people were and like what they were, uh, just because of the game. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. But uh in, in terms of the show like and getting down to the question like you know the adults have to know um because they they do make a big point of like okay things are scarce we're, we're running out of supplies we're running out of food and then all of a sudden like oh here's all of this fresh meat um and they really drive it home with that um the girl that's you know like emotional it's like when are we gonna bury my dad mm-hmm. it's like well you're not going to yeah, <laughs> his ear is on it's the praying. chopping block right now, like, <laughs> which is
0: fucking wild, by the way, that the first interaction we see is when are you going to bury my dad? And then, like, clearly two scenes later, you're eating him like, yeah, wild yeah. concept. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I know they they really set that one up well. Um, <laughs> But uh, but yeah, no, if you're an adult with half a brain, you know, kind of what's going what's going down, even if like you're not 100% sure you, you suspect. Mm hmm. Yeah. So, so I have a question. I have a question, quick. Mm-hmm. Do you guys think that the re?
2: Because you know they were saying, oh, a crazy man attacked us, and we clearly know they attacked him. Yeah. Do you mm-hmm. think they were trying to kill Joel for his meat? Oh, possibly. I, you I know, about that. I
0: didn't think about it yeah. that way, but I think it was one hundred percent on the table that if that guy connects the bat to Joel's head when he goes to sneak up behind him, they're dragging him back and they're eating him. Oh, yeah. Like I yeah. think that's I'm saying. I think that the that's one hundred percent. Yes, horse two. Without question, so, yeah, that's definitely kind of an interesting. What and I, I'm <laughs> I'm gonna go off on a little bit of a tangent here and kind of get you guys take on this. They really hammered down the idea that Joel was in the wrong in in killing this guy and oh, why not. Yeah. And what did you guys think? Just from a viewer to like tv interaction when you're watching them kind of talk about how joel is the bad guy here when you clearly know that he's the one that got attacked how'd you guys re? how did that kind of kind of turn with you a little bit throughout the episode because it just obviously viewer knowledge right you know what happened Did Mm -hmm. that kind of turn you guys a weird way because i I felt like the whole time i'm like you motherfuckers no you didn't oh yeah like
1: and and they do it on purpose too like mm -hmm. you got to get a reaction out of us somehow Um, yeah and so there's these little jabs like you know what happened because you watched the episode Mm -hmm. but uh, now you see the other perspective and it's solely just to like a it's it's to show their perspective of course but it's to bother the viewer it's to bother us mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: And, and i'll go a little further too so i i would think that would be the natural response of a predator of, mm-hmm. a, of a group of people who never wanted to take responsibility for what they were doing And they're immediately going to brainwash and blame everything that's happening on something or someone else so that they contain and and can be the the sheep leader. Right. Or the, what is the shepherd? And like Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that to me is exactly what happens in those situations. Oh, they were the bad people. Oh, they did this to us. Oh, but even though they did this to us and they were the bad people and they left, we're now going to go track them down and do bad things to them. Like, come on, think about what you're saying there. Like, you know, it's, yeah. it's, I, this is brainwashing 101. This is exactly what happens. I'm never wrong. I'm always right mentality. So even though, yeah, that was there to bother the viewers, I think it was more so just to show how they're brainwashed the people of that little mm-hmm. village thing. Um, and notice most of them, like probably 70% of them were elderly, you yeah. know, in the 40 plus range. And so in my eyes, it was just super, you didn't have any youthful, people there that were of the age to fight back because mm-hmm. one of the scenes that bothered me is when he slapped that little girl and oh, nobody yeah. did a thing about it and i was mm-hmm. like see not me i couldn't be there and <laughs> ain't no way i'm taking that and if they come for me at night i'm taking some with me so mm-hmm. and and you can see it though that it was really cool if you really look deep the, the oldest people were oh children were like 13 14 like they were pretty young mm-hmm. and then the adults were like like thirty five to 70 and so there was none of that youthful exuberance that that youthfulness that usually challenges the quota to step up and say hey this ain't right i'll lead i'll do this and i really think that's impactful to the episode because it allowed that guy to really have the run of way uh for how he ran that camp does that make sense Mm -hmm. yeah no
0: true true cult behavior right Mm -hmm. like that true like the, the the charles mansons of the world those things where you get that compound going it's like that's You definitely, we dug into that a lot in this episode. And that's actually Mm -hmm. what I want to talk about next. Because David, we, I thought that this actor did such a good job of showing us that full spectrum of being able to be being a, you initially view him as just this religious leader. It's like, yeah, you know, it looks culty, right? But like on the surface, when you're just first introduced to it, he's just, he's a guy who's like, you know, preaching, you know, the word of God during the apocalypse. Right. And then by the end, you see him as this cult leader in this burning building who's claiming to be bigger than god and that is such a good way to kind of showcase this character i feel like and i want to see kind of what you guys specifically liked or disliked about scott shepherd and how he played this character and how it kind of really showcased like that idea ideology of how a cult leader gains a following kirby Mm -hmm. kind of what did you kind of think about that
1: yeah um one thing that I, I definitely can say about uh, the way that he portrayed the character and everything like that, the fact that um, he could make the switch from, you know, kind of a, a kind of quiet, unassuming person, like there's like, hey, I'm just, you know, I'm here to help. like let's we'll, we'll get you medicine. There's room for you at our at our camp to, you know, straight Predator. Mm-hmm. Like he just made that switch and he did it so well um, that it was a lot of fun to watch like the the ending of the episode which I won't get into and like we'll we'll talk about that in a little bit here but um it was so satisfying because he played the character so well. Yeah. Um so I don't know, I think he did a great job with it and um I mean spoiler alert but he's not going to be around any longer yeah. <laughs> uh, which sucks because he did play that character very well but um but yeah no I think he did a a good job with it.
0: We, we have a lot of instances in the show where we have people who played a character so well, but you're like, yeah, that's a one episode role. That kind <laughs> <Yeah>. of sucks. <laughs> you know, <They> only
1: <laughs> once. it
0: happens a lot, but yeah, no, I, I think that when I think about this, I think of like kind of three pretty key interactions there. And it's, it's Ellie and uh, David under at the campfire after the, after killing the deer. And he's so calm and they're just talking about their situations and kind of how they got there and everything. And everything seems so unassuming, And then I think of Ellie in the cage, which is now you're starting to get into this real predatory mindset of Mm -hmm. like, this is, this is grooming. This is like true grooming for what was also kind of a sexual predator thing at the same time. Right. And in, in addition to it being kind of that cult grooming thing as well. And then that final switch that happens once they are trying to kill Ellie and, that whole interaction that goes on at the end of the episode. So I wanted to give a lot of props to, to Scott Shepard on this one, because I thought it just showcased so well, just that mental kind of craziness that can happen to mm-hmm. somebody in a situation like this. you get put in charge of a group of people. And next thing you know, like you just feel the sense of power that you can control anybody and anybody around you. And to say that, you know, like it kind of makes you kind of get that feeling of you understand why people wind up following him and doing and allowing him to slap their daughter in public or in front of everybody else in the commune. And you're like, this is like pure mind control at its purest form. And Mm -hmm. I I just thought it was so well done. I do want to call out, uh, Troy Baker who is, uh, David's kind of right-hand man in -hmm. this, in the, throughout the episode that eventually gets the cleaver to the neck. Um, is what you call the voice actor for joel in the original game so just quick little shout out to that as well kind of a cool little (laughs) easter egg um so then i'll pass the last one over to you gums what do you think
2: yeah so i thought he played this role excellent and it's typical when you know somebody plays a role excellent is a villain role is when you hate them right or Mm -hmm. when you're like disgusted by them when you have an emotional Mm -hmm. moving by them then you know they played that role well I think he played the crap out of this role like it was very well written too um and and i mean let's let's talk about this real quick before we go on to the next one i mean the writers here really threw it in the face they Mm -hmm. said hey he's a creepy math teacher that is now a priest and he likes children young girls and he's a cult leader like they didn't really they hit you in the nose with that Mm -hmm. so i think they were really taking jabs to this, to these people and what we were finding out probably around the time of the game, uh, what we, what we know now, right? Like it was truly like, a look at this guys, you guys are just sheep. You guys are just following this. And this dude's running around doing this stuff to these little children. And like, and like, you, nobody knew. Right. And, um, I wanted to point that out because the writers there, they, I don't know if you noticed this, but I mean, they're making a statement there. They're, <laughs> they're really making a point. And uh, I enjoyed that part of it. I was like, "Yep, those are that's spot on. That's what we know to be mm-hmm. true. Don't ignore that." Um, so I think he played that role very well. I think they wrote that in a, in a fun way to where like they pointed out the the irony and what he was as his professions and then what he found. Um, and and you know I don't know if he viewed himself too much as a guy. I mean, he started yelling that at the end because that's like a red death <laughs> flag. Like if you watch any type of anime, that's a death flag. So, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, uh, but but he did understand he was he was actually mad and and sad that he had nobody of his intellectual standard to push him and that's when he talked a little bit about Ellie we'll get to kind of that eventual cage part but like that's what he was looking for he wanted somebody that would tell him what to do and control him and do that fight with him to give him mm-hmm. like it's like a playground Like this dude truly was like a demon. Like this dude was, he had a playground and his toys weren't good enough. And he wanted a toy that would play back. He wanted AI robots. Right. Mm And, (laughs) um, he was, you were beneath him and he could control you. Then he didn't like you anymore. And, and, you know, that's the classic narcissistic leader of a cult type of thing. Um, but Mm -hmm. back to it, he played this role. Darn. Well, um, uh, it was a, a red-headed, balding, freckled man with a messed-up perspective on the world. Like, this dude was getting to work in this episode, and I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I want to double down on your comment about the writing, because it was written so beautifully. Just the entire yeah. episode in and of itself. They did a fantastic job of really, like, capturing the human psyche of a predator. Like, yeah. and trying to show what that looks like on screen.
1: Yeah, even, like, getting down to, like, that one... The one line that you know really stands out to me is um you know when they're in the the building it's like burning and he's like don't you know i like it when they fight like oh that's just straight predator right there
0: straight predator and that's and that's the the predator that now has kind of completed his full cycle and can now show his true colors that has done this full grooming and to to like kind of lure them in and then eventually here comes the terrible side of them that you don't see Mm -hmm. through through the flock or like in other interactions that was the culmination of it all
2: Okay, yeah. I'm I'm gonna stop here because I'm starting to understand this episode more and more. The more you guys say things, think <laughs> mm-hmm. about this entirety of this episode. This entire episode is bliss. is is not even blissful ignorance, but literally turning the other cheek. Haha, pun yeah. there. <laughs> but like, it, it this whole episode is that oh, mm-hmm. do you think they don't know they're cannibals? Oh, they know. Do you think he, they don't know he's a predator? Oh, they know because remember how he treated that girl? Mm-hmm, yeah. Oh, I'm your dad, this and that. The mom yeah. gets up and walks away. Like Everybody knew and chose to ignore it in order to quote-unquote survive because they yep. didn't have it in them, right? Yeah. And mm-hmm. this whole episode is to show that, I, I don't know if they call them cowards, but whatever they were, and they chose to do this ignoring and have this ignorance about it, on purpose and they knew what was going on while Joel and Ellie said we will willfully make our way out of this situation and then it kind of plays back to fate and god and so it kind of goes on the portrayal of Ellie and Joel are are fighting against quote unquote fate they're going to create their own these guys are doing nothing they're being controlled by fate and this is what's happening in this time zone. And maybe it's not that deep, but really think about what they gave us there. They gave us all this stuff about ignoring what's right in front of you and what's happening versus old Joel and Ellie seeing exactly what's going on and, and fighting against it. And uh, well, I wanted to point that out. I,
0: I also mm. think that it's, it's just a commentary on how things like these cults can really start, right? It's like you a lot of these guys will get kind of lured into it uh, to a certain point. Where you're almost you're too far gone now to do anything about it. You're you're locked in there. They are kind of like you said they're controlled. And so it it was a very strong commentary on how you can get like a group of people to get in this groupthink mentality, so that when terrible things are going on, they look the other way, and now they can't like really see past the terrible things that are happening to them.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's uh, it's herd mentality at its finest.
0: Yeah. So let's get in. Just wanted
2: to point that out.
0: I know. I think it's a great take. Like, yep. and then i think i let's let's get into the ending here let's i want to talk about kind of the full sequence of ellie in the cage in that first interactions to the, obviously the final culmination of ellie brutally killing the living shit out of david and that <laughs> was if, obviously for those that play that, that did play the game you know they obviously that joel had a much bigger kind of role in kind of that whole process because he is kind of you know trying to go in and save ellie and you know, the general plot still happens, but, you know, Joel is still kind of like there and kind of involved in it. But they really took it here and said, this is all on her to get out mm-hmm. of the situation, which was also the theme of the entire episode is Ellie fending for herself, you know, and figuring out how to be the new ringleader while Joel is incapacitated. So, yeah, I kind of wanted to get your guys's take on Ellie's escape. And you know what would you have liked to be seen here, or did you think it was just perfection at its finest? And I'll start with your you Kirby on what you kind of thought about this.
1: Um, I really like the fact that they kind of dialed back Joel's in, like involvement in the whole thing um, because if you if you look at the whole scene with Ellie and uh, and David when she's in the cage, there's a lot of tension. Mm-hmm. Like like things are starting to really drop. Um, if you hadn't figured it out already, you see the ear on the ground and you realize that they're eating people and Ellie's freaking out. And then he goes into his whole deal about how he's like, he could like use an equal to help him rule the, the community. And, uh, you know, kind of like that predator side starts really coming out. And I think it would have cheapened it by quite a good margin. If, you know, Joel had had a bigger role, this was, you know, Ellie's situation to really, uh, to really get out of you know her like breaking his finger going for the keys and then kind of using the fact that she's infected to stop them from immediately killing her like all the way down to when she just absolutely fucking brutally stabs the shit out of him yeah um and eventually kills him um i think that it couldn't have really happened any other way in the show because of the way that they set up you know the interactions with david this was her fight to have Mm -hmm. um and the fact that it was ellie that was taking about is just you know that that kind of justice for all of like the other like children that this dude has probably preyed upon in his years um yeah you know first as a math teacher and now as this like cult leader essentially so i don't know i think that they did it right and i think that they really did the situation a lot of justice Mm -hmm. so i don't think that they should have you know added joel any more than they did um i think they did it very well gums what you thinking yeah, remember how he
2: said, "Oh, I used to teach math to kids around your age." Mm-hmm. Fucking perv. <laughs> um, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, one hundred percent. Really have some inner interweaving things in this. They system. laid it on thick. Yeah, it was that, great writing.
1: That behavior did not start with the apocalypse like that nope, is a that is not. a learned and practiced behavior so you know that was happening before
2: mm-hmm. and, and think about it though like the right I, I think if you watched it again with this mindset of like looking for that you're gonna see that the writers freaking smashed it on this episode mm-hmm. yeah um i think again this goes back to eliminating the episode before this because like if you want to teach me something about ellie this is how you teach me something about ellie right like yeah this is her fight to have you said and i think that's a great way to put it I really think they could have screwed this episode up. Mm-hmm. There's a hundred different ways they really could have messed this thing up. Um, and in some of the ep- part of the episodes, you can clearly tell, like, they, they kind of cut, you know, or, or it didn't make. It, it went linear, but they might not have had it. Like, slapping that girl, did you really need it? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah maybe. <laughs> but, like, my point being is that there was a hundred different ways they could have messed this up. And, honestly, I think this is one of the best episodes of the season where – this will also you can tell it's getting towards the end because you can tell this is going to be a growth episode for for ellie yeah. and what i mean my growth is i mean she had to, she had to murder somebody who was going to kill and rape her mm-hmm. yeah and and that will weigh on a child's mind and she, season two i assume she's truly going to grow up like she's going to grow up because after going through this what else could you do but to grow up mm-hmm. and um and and so i think the episode was amazing i think it was you know i think after talking with you guys this episode actually probably went up to about a nine nine and a half for me i know it said eight to ten but now it's like sitting at a nine nine five um and and uh what do you think of the take on ellie's escape again 100 different ways they could have screwed this up this is exactly how i wanted ellie to escape i'm so glad they didn't go with the cliche of oh yeah, mister, oh yeah, hold my hand, and then, oh, I pulled your finger, and I took the keys, and I knocked you out, like, I'm super glad they, like, said, hey, that ain't falling, you're 12, like, I'm an adult, you're not pulling me in, and breaking my finger, and then getting away with it, like, right, they slammed her up, Um, you know, they did give her, obviously, they gave her an out by putting that, that, uh, the cleaver, the, the cleaver there, in, in the wood, but, I mean, that's exactly how it should have went, and then, I love the fact that, that guy swung too high because he's used to fighting people yeah. and missed ellie because she's shorter and she's a child and like that was his downfall when she shanked him right like those little things were really great and then they give you a burning scene right and what's a burning scene to religion hell right <laughs> so ellie's in hell with the demon who thought i was a preacher like you guys got to Think about it, I'm getting hyped up. Like I'm really seeing what the writers are putting down. I'm really seeing what the writers are putting down For now, sure. right? Like the dude was unaffected. He let bonkers and she was winded and she was tired. And Joel grabs her from the back and is like, it's I got you, baby girl. Like I got you. And she breaks down. And I'm just like, yes, this is. This is well written stuff right here. Yeah. Like people should win awards for this type of stuff. Um, oh, but uh, I talked a whole lot. I'll digress there. That's how I feel about that. Amazing, amazing.
0: No, gr- great, take. And, and I like that you call it the baby girl comment because they said in the inside of the episode a really cool point where they said that's a line that Joel hasn't said since he said it to his daughter, you, yep. you know, 20 years ago. And it was a really good culmination of how to end that episode of you know Joel going in to protect his daughter and. Ellie being kind of the new kind of position in that role, having to really kind of fend for herself. And I think that's something that we talked about previous episodes too. Right. And, you know, we had so many episodes now where Ellie was so focused on the fact that she couldn't do this without Joel and Ellie just went to hell and back on her freaking own and mm-hmm. just absolutely went to town on it. And I, I think too, Gums kind of, you kind of alluded to it as well. The fact that, you know, in the cage, you know, not going with kind of the cliche grabs the keys kind of things, you know, David had no problem roughing her up and kind of really showcasing that. And even though knowing that was going to be brutal for us as the viewer to watch like a 14 year old get smacked up like that by someone in a non like infected or like conflict situation, she's in a cage. So Mm -hmm. kind of being able to have that be the catalyst to then, you know, obviously the Cleaver scene, using the infected bit to get out of it and kind of utilizing her intellect to be able to kind of get out of those situations. And just the finishing it off with the brutality that it had in the burning building, Ellie kind of just really snapping and kind of going that direction was the perfect like apex of like, okay, now we know this girl has changed. And this girl is in a different headspace than she was before. And she is now learning how to take care of herself. And I think you're absolutely right. I haven't played the second game, but those who played it said that Ellie is a different level of brutal that is almost stomach churning. And so if you're looking for season two, which will obviously cover that storyline, this is the catalyst that you will look back to as an episode to be like, this is where the change was in Ellie. That is going to be the new brutal person that we're going to see in these future episodes. So yeah. I, I, I agree with you, Kirby, there too. Bringing Joel in, in really kind of any fashion really would have done a disservice to the episode. Obviously they brought him in to kind of like, so that he knows what's going on. And like kind of, so he sees the bodies and grabs the backpack and gets kind of her shit, you know, mm-hmm. and the kind of, it's like, okay, I can kind of handle that. But this was Ellie's arc that from start to finish was Ellie learning how brutal this world is and how to take care of herself while she's in it. And yep. that I think was a perfect way to progress this character. And I, and I, I agree with you guys. I loved every second of it. Mm. Well, hey guys, that's all I had for today. And like Gums said, you know, he's he's already up to a nine and a half on this episode. He started at eight. So I mean, this is just from us talking about it. So (laughs) please let us know what you think. Come in, come say what's up. But we're super excited to see how this uh, season ends. And we're very excited to see what they're going to take on with this show. Uh, But Mm -hmm. without further ado, Gums, take us away.
2: Remember, if it's cold out and you're hungry, the world is your fridge. (laughs) Let's keep it rolling.